Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast, where we bring together the best medical minds, thought leaders, scientists, patients, and caregivers to inform and inspire the spondylitis community. I'm your host, Jill Miller, living my best spa life, knowing that how we meet today has the power to change everything going forward. Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast. Our guest today is Marianne Palladian, who is very active in the spondyloarthritis community. But more importantly today, she is also a post-secondary college counselor and educational consultant who primarily is focused on helping students at the high school and college level with accommodations uh, when they are required and has some background in the spondyloarthritis community. She has also been serving on the Spondylitis Association of America's board of directors with me for the last four years. And I am so thrilled to have her here to talk about this as I send my first one off to college in three weeks. So Marianne, welcome to SpondyCast. Thank you so much, Jill. Yes, it's that time of year as students are preparing for the fall, either starting high school or new year of high school or starting college, right? Crazy. So um, yeah, this is such a timely topic right now, especially. So thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So tell me a little bit, we, we know each other well, but tell me a little bit about your journey to becoming a counselor and someone that supports students who need accommodations. I'd like to start way, way back with my own children, if you don't mind. Is that Absolutely. okay? Absolutely. Yeah. The- and then, and then start that journey. So 2004, almost 20 years ago now, it's kind of <laughs> takes my breath away a little bit. Um, 2004, my daughter was experiencing um, issues after an accident. She slipped and fall. She's a water pole player, slipped and fell on the deck and had continued back pain, lower back pain, lower back pain. We went to every single orthopedic in our county, no no resolution. Finally, a physical therapist told me there is something more going on here. You need to see a rheumatologist. Here I am so brilliant saying her hands are fine. Her fingers are fine. Right. Rheumatoid. So, you were thinking rheumatoid? I was thinking rheumatoid arthritis, okay. right? Like she doesn't have rheumatoid arthritis. Little did I know at the time there are over 140 something, maybe more forms of arthritis, right? So yeah. Um, but that started the journey. That's that's where it all began. And then we found Spondylitis Association. She went to her first educational support meeting with other individuals at in 2005 at the ripe old age of 14. Aww. Looked around the room and thought, oh, there's no one here my age. <laughs> and there's very few yeah. females here, you know, yeah. so it's like, that was kind of an interesting thing for her. And she was navigating the whole high school process too. She was an athlete. How do you, how do you be an athlete with ankylosing spondylitis? So um, then working with her rheumatologist and getting those, um, getting some guidelines was really helpful for us, both in the academic setting. And again, also with, with continuing in the sport that she loved which was so critical to her self-esteem and her identity, right? So we we worked with her rheumatologist, got it done. Um, little did we know that my son, year and a half later, would also be diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis and who is a basketball and volleyball player. Wow. So um, I, worked with my, I worked with my kids. Um, I sought out as many resources as I could, individuals with expertise everywhere I could. And we navigated the price, the high school process, the high school process with the appropriate accommodations in place. And that was really helpful to getting them, helping them be successful. 
And that is that when you took a transition in your career? Because I know if you still get discounts on your former product, <laughs> <laughs> which so, for our listeners is something that yes, are wrinkles. So um, my daughter went off to Princeton. She was recruited to be a water polo player. Princeton. My son followed in her footsteps and was not recruited to play a sport, but also went to Princeton to our surprise. Um, and um, the day I sent him off to college, I got back and started with the um, college counseling program, UC Irvine. So um, that began my own journey that now to help others, to like pay it forward to what I had, what I had learned. It's yeah. amazing the, the beautiful things that can come out of the pain of a mother. Absolutely, Jill. Yes. It's unreal. Because uh, I'm sure thousands of kids you've worked with now. I, I might be approaching a thousand. Yeah. Okay. But, but, you know, certainly hundreds and hundreds over the last mm, almost 17 years. Um, but yeah, um, it's you, that that feeling of like, yes, had I gone, had I not gone through this, like, well, I went back to college after such a long time, but yeah. I was really motivated to do that. So I was a little bit afraid, but I was like, yeah, I got this. I, I, can, I know I can do this. So what, if you don't mind me asking and they don't mind talking or you speaking for your children or other kids that you've worked with for juvenile spot, how, how have you seen that affect school attendance or performance over time? Such a good question. So with ankylosing spondylitis, right, or um, it's that lower back pain that starts early in the morning, usually wakes, wakes, waking up in pain, right? And then um, that process to get moving again, shower, stretching, medication, whatever it is that, 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 that works for that individual, right? And get moving. And sometimes if this, if the if the person's experiencing a flare, all those tips and tricks and medications don't necessarily work as well as they have. So right. um, my own son missed 37 first period calculus classes one year in one hmm. semester. What was his major at Princeton? <laughs> he was an engineering and philosophy major, but this was in high school. In high so it was school. okay. He did fine. <laughs> he did fine. So they wanted to take him out of accelerated classes because he was missing so many sessions. And I got an accommodation that he had an exception to the policy. Yeah. Um, so it's again, kind of, if you don't ask, you don't get in a kind of a situation that way too. But it's like, they had never granted that accommodation before. They, no one had ever, you know, asked for it right. before. And so like adapting, being flexible, seeking out, the things that you think will help your student be successful, leveling the playing field, removing right. those obstacles to student success is such an important thing. Yes. Yeah. And it's, and even just in the day to day of school, I mean, I think about it at work. I always say, we talk about inclusion a lot. And I always say, sometimes inclusion means my wrists are on fire by the time I'm done typing. I can't type. Don't send me stuff that makes me type all day long. And I think kids get the same. They or, or I think the walking pass is a really great one for kids with spa. Absolutely. Uh, that they can get up and walk around because they need to. Right. They 
they're absolutely if you have a block class it's more than that 50 yep. 45 50 minute period they absolutely need to get up and both of my children have that accommodation in fact for tests especially tests they have the ability to walk and then testing in a distraction free environment where they're not yes. they're not distracting others with their getting up and walking has been key also for them yes. both in yes. high school and college yes absolutely it's, it's mm -hmm. funny when i was a kid everyone used to just think that I couldn't sit still and that I was a fidget is what they used to call me. And you were just getting comfortable. I didn't. Well, I mean, I wasn't diagnosed till I was almost 40, but I think I do it now. I get up and I stand in meetings and walk around because it's, it makes me feel better. And the brain fog goes away when you're not in pain. Uh, right. So there's the, more, there's clarity around what you're working on. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so right. There are, and I'm not sure if it's state to state, but there are legal protections in place for children with a medical condition, both at the high school and college level. Right. And there's different laws that protect students in K through 12 versus in college. In fact, I, I wrote an article for the Spondy Plus um, for fall 2022, yeah. and I have great links in there. I know I'm hoping that... Um, Anyone who's interested can find those links. I have great links to like resources for how do you get guidelines for how for accommodations for your student, right? Working with your physician. Also, like what are the legal protections a student has when they move on to post-secondary education? Different right. than and then what what type of documentation that's laid the foundation of your accommodations in high school, perhaps, that would be documentation you can submit for college. Yeah. So, um, and I kind of wanted to review all those types of accommodations too, Jill, at some yeah, point. Yeah, I would love it. That would be great. Cause I was, that was my next question. <laughs> <laughs> so um, again, there, there's a, a number of, of accommodations and usually they look at it in terms of how will this level of playing field when it comes to like those, uh, activities of functional daily living, right? How does it, how will it, how will it like, um, again, remove the obstacle for the student, right? So is it extended time for a test? Testing in, a, in an area where they can get up and move. Um, and then as far as day-to-day, -day, like extended time to submit assignments. Yeah, or projects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so this is in the high school setting again, and then getting from class to class. Some high school campuses are large and getting, a, getting that, um, that like the, that time, extra time to get yeah. to class. So they, they're not considered late to class or even, um, even scheduling issues to be able to allow for strategic scheduling for classrooms even. Oh yeah. So they yes. maximize. So it's, maximize it. I know. I mean, our high school where my kids go is a million square feet under one roof. It's crazy. Yeah. So um, again, like, yes, a student can be late, but what have they missed in class? Right. What are they, and so the, the goal would be not to have them miss that class time and get them quickly to the next class. Right. Um, and then moving on to the college setting, like, um, again, um, they can get separate housing accommodations. Right. So they're not on the fourth floor of a walk up building right. with an elevator. Right. Um, first floor, perhaps, um, or definitely a building with an elevator. So, and then that, that's housing, accommodations. It can be anything from, again, extended time, distraction-free testing, or testing in their own uh, private room. 
and that's done through disability services. I'll talk about that a little bit more. And then getting professors' notes ahead of time, having an anonymous note taker, which works through disability services, where they disability services hire someone in the student's class, they take notes anonymously, they send them to disability services, they're then sent to the student. Oh, so, so there's no double blind. There's so double like, blind, so there's no stigma attached to the student, right? And I so love it. I love it. It's a win-win. Another student gets to earn, you know, money by doing this wonderful service, yeah. and then and then the student is not stigmatized by knowing who's the person in class who's getting their notes. So it's like, again, removing obstacles and then leveling that pay, playing field. Um, I would like to move into like college accommodations, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, this would have. be really interesting because I think this is probably as parents who might be listening or kids who are heading off, it's, right, it's your first time away and it's really can be scary, I imagine, for some kids. But I'm sure it sounds like there's a lot of good, good stuff out there. And uh, college is a time of transition, right, for, for students, right? higher level academics <laughs> and stress <laughs> and stress right probably most likely living away from home not all students but but there's certainly another level of independence getting themselves to yeah. and from school even if they're commuting right um there's like relationship issues that can come up health issues for all students right it's such a time of transition roommate issues yeah. <laughs> so much so much is going on and then a student is coming with I have to be able to take care of myself on a whole nother level if I'm away at school that comes with it, right? So it's like, it's already a huge time for students and of transition. And now just one more thing for that student, like how do I get my medication delivered to my college if I'm on a biologic? If I'm doing infusions, how do I get infusions locally? Oh, I hadn't thought of that. So, um, uh, so many things to think about and plan for ahead of time in college. It doesn't mean that students can't go away, though. There are ways to like plan ahead, work with doctors, either your your home doctor or the doctor you're going to maybe see while you're away at college, making sure you have all those plans in place and the doctors have a chance to communicate, too. So, again, you have like that continuum of continuity of care. Right. Yep. So it's yes. So important. Um, uh, but again, any student, like I feel like the student should be able to dream, dream big, yeah. go where they want to go, and that there's ways they can figure it out, Jill. So have you ever, I'm assuming you have, heard from students when they make it to the other side, out of student land, and give you feedback on how, <clears throat> how you were able to impact their journey? Or good um, stories. When I just receiving graduation cards, oh my goodness! I just, I'm just, I just break, I'm just broken up. You know, like they made it, they did it, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and I would say, aggregately, of kids who need accommodations, 20, 30, 50 years ago, most of those kids never even thought that it was an option to go to school or continue on past high school. Um, I don't know if there's data. I mean, I don't have that, I don't have that data, Jill, but it's really interesting. Yeah. But um, I wonder like how many kids get the opportunity. I often think of, you know, uh, 
somewhere I read there's like a high number of mechanical and electrical engineers who have dyslexia and they make it through. And I think of the, and this is a different reason for accommodation, but I think of the number of kids 20 or 30 or 50 years ago that went through as engineers or they had an engineering brain, right? Like to me, engineers see the world differently and that's probably why a high number of them have dyslexia um, or spondies were like warriors. Um, but I always think of the number of engineers the world never got because someone looked at that kid and thought that they weren't worthy or couldn't make it through and didn't accommodate the world the way they saw it or the world that they need to live in. And um, I'm guessing it's the same with, uh, with an illness, right? Or condition, we'll call it, uh, like spondylitis. So, uh, okay, so we have a couple minutes left. Um, we talked about legal. How do kids, so most kids will see a rheumatologist if they go off to college, they'll keep their home rheumatologist and then if continuity. They're, if care. they're able, you know, the shortage of rheumatologists, if they're able to get into a rheumatologist within, you know, within a, a time frame where they could actually see someone. Otherwise, they're going home like during the holidays and maybe scheduling their appointments during the holidays if they're if they're not able to see sure. a rheumatologist at way of college. Yeah. Okay. Um, so managing all the aspects, the emotional and the pain piece while you're in college or even in high school can be difficult. And I'm sure there's a continue or a, a spectrum. Uh, for the kids themselves or young adults themselves and for family around them, or maybe even their potential roommate, what can we, what can children do to help themselves and what can parents and family and roommates do to help as well to manage some of those eh, acute moments? <laughs> That's a good question. Again, from an academic setting, getting those college, you know, applying through disability services and getting those accommodations in place, right? That's number one. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the spoon story. Have you ever heard of that spoon yeah, story? Yeah, I've used that with my kids. My daughter shares it with everyone. She really does. She really feels like it just brings a message home like, hey, I'm out of spoons today. Tell the and story because I don't think we've ever told it. Do you know? Do you remember it? I it's I, I'm gonna give you the very much abbreviated version, but yeah. the, she a girl was invited out to lunch, and I again I might not get it right, but she um she felt like she couldn't say yes, she wasn't feeling well, but she went anyway. She went out to lunch with her friend, and she tried to explain to her friend like, "This isn't anything on you. This is like the way I feel right now. Like, and I know you may not understand this." And she just laid out spoons and said. I have this many spoons every day and it takes me so many spoons to get ready. It takes me so many spoons to take my medication and stretch, et cetera, et cetera, and pack up and get out the door and take whatever medications I need. And, and by the time I get to where I, I only have a few spoons left and some days if I'm having a flare, like me, or I'm not feeling well, maybe I have no spoons left. And like, that's why I have to cancel sometimes. I just, I have no spoons left for the day. And if, if you see me like isolated or drawn, whatever, it's like, I may be like minus spoons, basically, right? Like, or I might have to borrow spoons from the next day to get through that day, right? And so it's such a lovely story when you put it in those terms. And my daughter just shares that story with, 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 with others. They get it. It's really profound. And I remember sharing it with my kids 
seven, eight years ago. And so they were really young and they got it. They were like, oh, she's out of spoons. I get it. Um, and I was in debt. I was in like massive spoon debt for a while. There. <laughs> I owed them. I owe the world like 72,000 spoons. Uh, my apologies to the writer of that story that I butchered it. My apologies, but I think hopefully I captured the essence of it. But yeah. It is. And the way I translate that today, and it's the uh, the caregivers or the parents or the friends on the other side, it's like, don't take it personally or make assumptions that it's something against you. It's just, it's where my... Yeah. Energy and body. That I, that I didn't want to spend time with you, that I didn't like, that I that I wasn't being lazy, that I wasn't being yeah. like, it's just, that's what's going on with me right now. As a parent, it's, it was hard for me to even learn a that lesson for my, for my own children. Yeah, that is hard. Uh, okay. I'm going to ask you one more question. Where are your children now? <laughs> So now my adult children, so my daughter is um, finishing up her last year of her dermatology residency at Harbor UCLA. Yay. Uh, yes. And um, she actually loves a med, the uh, derm room clinic. She loves that because she'll see a lot of like psoriatic arthritis or those types of diseases. And she, it's like, she feels a strong connection to those patients, especially. Yeah. And my son is uh, an attorney. He was practicing in New York for three years and just moved to Los Angeles, took the bar this past week at the California bar. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. And he got married in May. So, yeah. So I was really excited. Unstoppable spondies. Unstoppable. I yeah. love it. Yeah. All right. Well, I know you have a busy afternoon. So I am going to let you off the hook early here. Uh, this has been wonderful. And I please tell your kids, we appreciate them letting you share some of their lives to inspire other people. And thank you for all that you do. And uh, I can't wait to see you in September. Thank you, Jill. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm happy excited. back to school. Happy back to school, everybody. All right. SpondyCast was made possible by donations from the Spondylitis Association of America's individual members and our show's corporate sponsor, AbbVie. Since our founding in 1983, the Spondylitis Association of America has been the face, voice, and leading nationwide nonprofit, educating, empowering, and advocating for people living with spondyloarthritis. Through our extensive work with patients, the medical community, and partners, we provide information and resources to help people impacted by the disease live better lives and champion research to find a cure.